listeners to time for an awakening on Black Talk Radio Network, new media for the new millennia. This is history and current events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea 4, 6 states, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. But we as a people will turn this around. Proverbs 4, 7 states, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom for all thy getting, get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your host, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to join in the conversation this evening is 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're streaming live at several locations. You can go to timeforanawakening.com, which is the homepage, and catch the live stream at that location. You can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening and catch the live stream there also you can check us out on a bb2me.com forward slash time for an awakening that's a b i b i t u m i forward slash time for an awakening the live stream ought to be playing there or you can download the tune in radio app to any of your devices tune in is a free app in that tune in search engine just type in time for an awakening there you'll see the icon and you can stream the program live even into your car if you had a Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection. Again, that's time for an awakening radio program with the live stream on the TuneIn app. Drop us an email at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Again, that's timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Time for an awakening also has a fan page on Facebook. In that Facebook search engine, you can type in time for an awakening radio program. There you always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or Brother Richard. And do me a favor, before you leave that page, just hit, just hit that like button. That's Time for an Awakening Radio Program with the fan page on Facebook. And Time for an Awakening Media is also there. Always full of the latest podcasts of the various programs on Time for an Awakening Media. Interesting articles that you can read, download at later times, and share with your friends. Also check out that Time for an Awakening Marketplace and our partnership with the BB2Me. Always interesting things in the marketplace all the time. Various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So, again, make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. That's timeforanawakening.com. Timeforanawakening.com will take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. It's 7.07 here on this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. And we're in open form this evening. No guest scheduled besides yourself. You can always join the conversation by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We'll be right back to get the program started after a brief word from our sponsors. Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and, and our enemies. <laughs> Everybody is here. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. Not a 
All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years. Located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services. Representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies. Offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Overworked? Suffering with an underperforming company? Headache customer, staff, or vendors? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? We turned a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one transformation created for entrepreneurs like you in various industries around the country. Not what you're used to from accounting and business consulting? Well, welcome to New Business Solutions. If you're ready to go beyond advising, coaching, and training and get implemented results, call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions apply the best comprehensive administrative accounting, operations, human resources, management, sales, and marketing to help you actualize your vision for yourself and your company. From anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072. Spelled new as in numerous on your device right now. Book your free consultation at newbusinesssolutions.com. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go, what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. From antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening with your host, Brother Elliot, Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m., for podcasting or live program scheduling. Hit us up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. And uh, before we get started with our program this evening, I want to welcome in, uh, my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum here in Philadelphia at 7th and Arch Street. Brother Richard is with us. Brother Richard. 
Yes, sir, brother Ellie. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing all right, Ellie. I'm I'm doing all right. The, um, the time change caught me off guard, and the um, in Philadelphia, I don't know if, if it happens all over. Um, and, and I'm used saying this for a particular reason of a thought, you know. They, you know, I, uh, downtown got all um, blocked up because of um, what is this St. Patrick's Day? <laughs> oh yeah, they had to have a read done. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, okay. But you know, Elliot, the, the thing that the, the thing that got me in relationship to that is that every year I see that um, I don't think you, know, you, you can correct me if I'm wrong. They don't have a, a national holiday like Juneteenth or something like that, right? Uh, well, I don't know whether it's natural, but they do have that St. Patrick's Day. Right, right. I mean, this is culturally, they assert themselves to, you know, on their own to celebrate their their culture, their cultural and historical identity by having, you know, identifying with, you know, St. Patrick's Day. It's not like it has to be legislated. You know, it was another group that they used their religious holiday and and because they were so prominent in one area, um, because, you know, when they exerted their religious holiday, um, they had to close the public school system, or at least this, when I was going to school, you know, um, they had to close it because all the teachers were of that uh, religious persuasion. And they didn't need, they just took off, if, if, I, if I'm making myself clear. Mm. You know, and, and it, makes, it makes me think about, us in relationship to that, to that, you know, our national identity, you know, um, and how do we, do we have a collective national identity that in spite of we culturally, um, exert, um, in the society and, you know, without having to be given to us. And, um, it also reinforces our economic, um, aspect if I'm making myself clear. So that's the thing I'm thinking about right now when we're talking about, um, you know, the, to, we're going to open form. And it was a, is an example I have. I wanted to share a historical example, you know, that, uh, that, that showed how um, our ancestors say at the turn, I mean, in the ninth, the end of the 19th century during, after, during reconstruction, how they exerted, um, their identity, you know, the, the driving force and how they um, exerted in that identity, their political formation. And, and I, I thought that was interesting. So that that's the thought of my mind for now. The, uh, well, yeah, we, you can start out with that, Richard, cause we're in open forum. Uh, I, I want to share later on in the, uh, in the program, uh, some information that, uh, brother Clifton Abrams up there in, uh, uh Greenwood, New York, uh, sent to me we uh, had a conversation a couple days ago and <laughs> richard uh what he shared with me happened in late december uh but it's still very relevant to uh, what we're dealing with and it probably be relevant to something that you'll probably bring up in your conversation but uh i, I want to share it with the listening audience and plus there's a few other things that i want to throw out there that uh that was a part of this uh news cycle so to speak to uh to kind of get our people to thinking about uh, what we're dealing with, period, uh, both on the political front and our organizing front, because I think it's very much related 
but uh, go ahead, Richard. Uh, uh, kick it off. Yeah, you know, I, I was. I, what, what started me down is um, it's interesting for people who want to know the um, Federal Reserve um, um, published a book um, that is free if you you apply for it to where you can get the history of black banks. And um, I opened it and, and, and something that I was, I wasn't really aware of um, that happened at the latter part of the 19th century, you know, in relationship to, uh, um, you know, what they call the exodusers, those who were leaving, who left, um, who organized um, the, you know, to, because of the, um, you know, after Black Reconstruction in L.A., the, the the whites backlash, the the Klan and red red shirts, and um, you know it was it was um, um, terrible in relationship to the um, racial violence that was going on um, because of blacks taking their rightful places. They would say um, of, of manhood and and um, politically, you know because that represented men and women, um, black people in general. But that's what they call, you know, your manhood rights, when you you take the rights of your political positioning. And it was a, 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 a organizer, um, um, Benjamin Pat Singleton. Um, and he called him, and, and I'm reading um, from to, to open this up to what they even the flyer they did in relationship to their organizing. And what was, is two things that's interesting um, that was interesting to me um, in reading about, um, um, you know, uh, Pat Singleton and what those uh, men and women um, in the South at that moment um, in relationship to um, the ideal of seeing themselves as a national entity to move in their own self-interest. It says, Benjamin Pap Singleton called himself the father of the Black Exodus, a movement that began during the late 1860s and continued in the 1880s when thousands of freedmen resettled in Kansas, Oklahoma, uh, Nebraska, Indiana, and other areas. Singleton led nearly 8,000 Blacks to Kansas via steamboat, train, and and, um, wagon. And then it goes on to say, you know, um, in September of 1869, um, um, black um, Nashvillians held a large meeting about migrating from the South Elias Polk, uh, Robert, well, from the South, Elias Polk, Robert Knowles, uh, Randall Brown, Henry Carter, and Daniel Watkins ar- argued the pros and cons of leaving the South. Many of the Nashville, Nashville freedmen were frustrated because of crowded, impoverished conditions, recent outbreaks of racial violence by whites, and the 1869 electoral defeat of the city Republican ticket by white conservative Democrats when the mass meeting failed to gain a vote for the um, for, for when the mass meeting failed to gain a vote for the Exodus Singleton and a summer a summer county black preacher. Columbus M. Johnson organized a homestead association, and Johnson was concerned about addressing the large federal contraband camps, which housed impoverished freedmen in Gallatin and Hendersonville. In in 1872, the association sent a committee 
check that out. They sent a committee to investigate Kansas for settlement. Um, and the last I'll read on this here, from this here, which I thought was interesting, Singleton, Sizemore, and other fellows found that Ingleville, Ingleville, Edgeville, Edgefield Real Estate Association, they held rallies in Brentwood and other counties and raised funds for char- by charging five cents for parties and published newspapers to publicize the colored migration. Singleton criticized Frederick Douglass and other Republicans for opposing the freedmen exodus from the South, saying such men as this should not be leaders of our race any longer. But Douglass simply argued that the Negroes should remain in the South and fight racist attempt to re-enslave them, right? Now, what, I, what, what struck me was this ad that they put out in calling this convention. It was a convention in 75, which is an interesting date that this convention was to take place because it was posted, it was to take, it did take place um, May 19th. And we know what May 19th is, right? In relationship to how we celebrate May 19th now, um, as far as in looking at um, Malcolm X, um, you know, on May 19th. A convention of colored race called to look into the matter. If they must immigrate, they would do it with their eyes open. And we talk about, and here's a, a newspaper ad. We, we talk about black newspapers and the importance they had in communicating and helping to organize black folks. And, and to me, this is another example. We have been requested to publish the following, Nashville, April 24. To the colored people of Tennessee, we, the undersigned citizens of Middle Tennessee, owning to the present demoralized and unsettled conditions of the colored people of Tennessee, do hereby call the attention of every thinking colored man to the convention of the colored people of the state of Tennessee. What struck me here, Elliot, it wasn't, didn't say to the Republican Party, and we know the Republican Party is where a lot of black people were in. This was a convention being called by black people to dress something for black people, um, which we talk about we need to do today. But we see in seventeen in 1875, they were doing that. And the question always comes to my mind, why are not, we're not doing, we're not capable today. To be held at the city of Nashville on the 19th of May next, for the purpose of looking after the interests of the colored people. Here again is something I want to emphasize. Was it looking at the interests of America? Was it looking at the interests of the state of Tennessee? It was to be held to look at the interests of black people specifically. Another thing that I raised the question that they were, why is it that we can't hold these conventions, you know, today looking at the interests of black people specifically not and 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 I'm and here is something being called for the state let me go on seeing that there is such there is so much imposition practice upon the people day by day in regard to immigrating by some unknown persons that that has caused a great deal of excitement among the colored people and a great many have sold out 
and left their homes with the purpose of going to Kansas free, let every county send a few delegations to the convention on the 19th of May. And if it is the will of the people to immigrate, let us do it in an intelligent manner. Let every county hold their county convention and send their delegates to the state convention. Let every district and ward hold their primary meetings at their usual places on the 12th of May and send delegates to the county convention to be held on the 15th of May to elect delegates to the state convention. Elliot, do you see how drilled down how self-organized black folks were in, in these counties to be able to hold a state convention? You know, I mean, do, do, I mean, like that's I, it, it boggles my mind when I hear us now. We we have challenges to do that just for the and everybody's talking about the Democratic and Republican Party, but this was just for black folks. Let every man who feels an interest in the welfare of his race respond to this call. Not let every man who feels an interest in the welfare of the Democratic or the Republican Party or the state of Tennessee or in America, let every man who feels an interest in the welfare of his race. And this is not a new rallying cry for black folks in America. But if you hear it today, it's like we can't do that or we don't do that. And 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 not just call it like this is to, to the degree that this is being organized. Arrangements have been made with the Louisville and Nashville Great Southern Railroad for all delegates to get to to get excursion tickets for the round trip. Delegates can get tickets at all stations on that line. We hope that all other railroads will let the delegates have excursion tickets. It isn't excursion tickets to go to Coney Island. It isn't excursion tickets to go to go to uh, Disneyland or to go on a ship, you know, to have a party. This is a this is organized for a political decision about the movement of a people because to deal with the uh, challenges within the area in relationship to. And this is the question I have for the time for awakening audience. It's not necessarily the answer because you, and this here, um, you know, this moment where we have open forum, you can bring any topics to the, but is this like a national movement, I mean, a, a self-governing process? And do we call this self-governing process a nationalist process where we're looking out for our own interests creating our own agenda and having people move in that from one place. Cause what they created was some, and some towns are what they call Freedman towns, Freedman settlements, 46,000 moved in this moment up to over a period of a couple of years, 40,000 people moved to Kansas. You can't get, I ain't going to say that Elliot. But I just wanted to show um, this this level of self-organization that we're not even, I don't know if you were aware of it, you know, it it just came to my attention, but the level of self-organization 
in our self-interest outside. And 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 it's to, and Elliot, when you dig down into history, the whites over the reason, and it wasn't like in those areas where they were in Tennessee, black folks wasn't fighting these white folks back. But the white folks create um organized and took over an armory and was able to get $67,000 worth of weapons out of the armory, armory and that's, that was what um, changed the tide of black folks being able to control their space, and they decided, well, look, our lives, our ability to be able to, our confidence to be able to self-govern it is, is so high that we recognize that we need to move somewhere, and and it sounds similar to what the old man, um, uh, Elder Granger, said to Sherman, that all we want to do is to move someplace where we have land, and we we have no challenges out of white folks. I just thought that was something I wanted to share, Elliot, to as another example of a comparison when we talk about history as a, a strategic analysis tool and when we talk about what we need to be doing and in the context, you know, of what that, what that shows, this is uh, self-interest rallied around and being able to organize in our own self-interest to be able to create a better life than what we might be saying, the life we're living with right now. I just I just wanted to use this opportunity of open forum to um, express that. Richard, uh, uh, tell me the um, the brothers that was that did that uh, were they involved in politics at that time? Um, no, no, not um, no, no. This they weren't involved in this. They were, you know, they were delegates within the um, what's that? The Republican Party. But because they, the, the, this, well, I said no. Um, if for this effort, they weren't necessarily doing it out of the party, but they were engaged in the party. And that was the reason for the white backlash and also their recognition that the Republican Party wasn't protecting their newly found rights. You know, the Republican Party was supposed to be the friends of black people. And it was black people who assisted in making the Republican Party and coming out of Reconstruction. But then when they realized the Republican Party um, wasn't working in their self-interest, this is why they um, one of the moves that they um, um, started to move. And you can see um, this what this dissatisfaction with the Republican Party that black folks were starting to have because they felt that the party was supporting the Democrats, um, the Klan. The um, um, southern landowners, um, the northern financiers, they felt that the the, the Republican Party um, was supporting them instead of uh, black folks and their newly formed rights. Uh, no, but what I meant was none of those men were politicians. No, no, they weren't politicians, no. But what they did was definitely political. And see, that, right. that, that's what... Um, um, you know, when we have representatives of independent uh, black parties, political movements on here, that's the, the message that they're trying to drive home. And in some cases, I think some of our people might have dropped their books and lost their lesson. 
uh, right. because these things are not stressed. As soon as somebody mentions politics, our minds, see, I don't care about what Europeans are thinking. I'm talking about us. As soon right. as you mention politics, our minds go straight to Democrat and Republican. Uh, you know, about somebody trying to run for office. And it, it's right. not about that. What you're right. describing is a political move to organize people to move somewhere in their self-interest where they can govern themselves. That's politics. Right. Clearly politics. But none of those men were elected officials. When they were talking about getting delegates, that's talking about representatives of different areas. That's politics. Right, exactly. That's politics. That's what- Yes. That's independent politics, independent of these organizations that have been set up by Europeans, Democrat, Republican, or whatever they was doing at that time. Those are independent, and it's the same moves that can be done now, but it's obstacles now that weren't necessarily there then, although you had serious obstacles then, because a lot of these men's physical lives was in jeopardy where it might be a little bit different now, but it's, it's, it's other more sophisticated obstacles that's put in black people's way. And some of them is a, a great temptation where they don't mind. They don't look at it as an obstacle because they don't mind doing that. Uh, you know, some of these things, Richard, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, I wouldn't say strange, but it's really complicated because at that time, our people weren't necessarily looking to assimilate. They didn't want to necessarily be like white people. Right. They wanted to be independent men and women that were black, happened to be living in America. Right. Some people wanted to leave. Others felt as though, well, we're here. Let's make the best out of it. But the, the, the advent or the idea of assimilation meaning, you know, scrap all this, we're going to be just what you want us to be. That might be a new phenomenon. And when I say new, I'm talking about it wasn't prominent then. It was not. If I may say, Elliot, um, we was just going through um, um, Stand From the Beginning with uh, Kende, um, a book. And what you see is, you know, and we know, we, we know, we hear it, right? Um, People as certain the black quote unquote black elite um, felt that they needed to assimilate. I'm gonna use that term hopefully to make the point clear to 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 address the point that you're raising. There's a certain segment that wanted to assimilate, and assimilate really means to, uh, in my interpretation, based off of what whites were saying, they've been defining what it is to be an American was to be white. That's what they define. But, and, and the black elite, even with being Christian, was saying, well, because that would be the highest form of, or civilization, right? But for the, for the, um, the ch- those who were in chattel slavery, those who were um, in the, and especially in the South, in the um, rural area, as you said, all they wanted to do was to be able to organize their lives in their own self-interest. But they were also being considered uncivilized. I just I just want to bring that up, that 
this there's a certain mindset within our community in relationship to the point that you're making because it's those those people in those rural areas that created that wanted education that wanted to be free that wanted land they also the people culturally that created the spirituals that created the blues that created the cultural matrix of what it is to be black in America and and uh, Richard, you're, uh, one of the things that you mentioned there where they were critical of Douglas, and I think that was a little before Booker T came to prominence, if I'm not yes. mistaken. Yes. But they yes. were critical of Douglas for not supporting what they were trying to do. Right. Uh, but let me say this before I say that. To kind of bolster what you're saying, um, if you remember that first meeting that Lincoln had with some of our ancestors at the White House. Right. Uh, I think it was just before that war broke, Civil War broke out, or early during the Civil War. Right. When he was trying to organize them to leave here. He wanted right. to send them to Panama, to Central America. Right. You remember what he said to him? He said, it's right. not enough of you that think like white men. You remember when he said that? That's what he, that's what he said. He said it out of his own mouth that they mm-hmm. needed more black people to be able to think like white men. Mm-hmm. That's what it's always been about. Now, some of our people now, they don't mind thinking like Europeans, acting like Europeans, having their, their thoughts shaped and their culture shaped by Europeans. Some people don't mind that. And if that's what you want to do as a grown man or woman, have at it. But the majority mm-hmm. of our people never believed that. They never felt like that. All our ancestors that we're talking about, the majority of them never wanted that. They wanted to be free individuals. We were free before we came here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, let me, because we read this before, but that was before uh, I even knew about what you're stating here, Richard. Because the men were critical of Douglas about him not supporting them leaving the South. Right. Um, and and I read this a couple of weeks ago, but I'm going to read it again because it coincides with what you just stated. Um, Douglas did a tour of the South in 1888, uh, just before he went, I think it was the 25th anniversary of the Emancipation Proclamation. He was going to speak in Washington when he said that the Emancipation Proclamation was a stupendous fraud. <clears throat> He toured the South. And let me read this paragraph here. It says, in 1888, Douglas visited South Carolina, Georgia, and other southern states and realized how little he had known about the true conditions of his people in the South. On April 10th, 1888, soon after his return, he wrote to one of the leaders of a movement for encouraging immigration of Negroes to the Northwest. Now, he might have went wrote to one of the men you're speaking of, Richard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He said, I had hoped the relations uh, subsist, uh, existing between the former slaves and old master class would gradually improve. But while I believe this, I still had some weak faith that it would. I have of late seen enough heard enough and learned enough of the condition of my people in South Carolina and Georgia 
to make me welcome any movement which will take them out of the wretched condition in which I now know them to be in. While I shall continue to labor for increased justice for those who stay in the South, I give you my hearty Godspeed in your immigration plan. I believe you are doing a good work. So later on, even though Douglas disagreed with what they were doing, he was man enough to, especially after he, you know, he he said he didn't even realize what our people was going through down there. And told the people, if you, if you, you know, if you're going to do this, I'm in full support. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, that's, and it's, and it's, you know, it gets into where that kind of leadership, Elliot, because he, the people were as, you know, this, um, you know, Pat Singleton and those guys, you see, they, 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 they created a bank. They had a relate, you know, the Nashville first black bank, you know, the Freedmen's Savings and Trust Company. You know, you, you hear they they were able to organize delegates to come to this convention. They created a real estate association. You know, so who is the leader here? And they were able to move. So I'm just saying, um, Elliot, you know, it sounds like Douglas had to get in front of it. You know, because the people were going to do it anyway. Yeah. Well, they were they were doing it. Yeah. <laughs> you know they, you know they, so so it, it gets it gets it gets to this point. You know, yes, he may be having this, and 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 not just he, but as you mentioned, those guys who were meeting with Lincoln, and Lincoln was telling them that they are, you know, the you know like because they are white, like compared to everybody else. But those people who were making this move obviously wasn't, in Lincoln's characterization, wasn't white-like. But look what they were getting ready to do. And, you know, in that moment, Elliot, whites who were creating the terrorism, do you know what they tried? What they had to do? They had to try to stop them. You know why they had to stop them? Because that was their labor force. They created the condition instead of working in harmony with them, they created the terrorism. And then once they, you know, black folks say, hey, well, look, you know, I'm out. Then they run around because they was getting on the steamboats and going to, to Kansas and the steamboat operators sat out in the dock, wouldn't let them on because the landowners needed that labor. You see how white folks working together and no matter what decision black folks make in their own interest, these guys got some problem with it. Well, Richard, I don't think the the, uh, the conclusion that you came up with has changed. It has not changed. And that kind of leads me into, especially if you... Um, because I didn't know whether you finished with reading some of the with the answers to the moves they had made. No, no. I mean that that was that was. I thought that ca- characterized itself. But you know, if I if I it was one with the Bulls game in in ninety three. I mean nineteen oh three, um, um, with the 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 point that this split between us within us um, that's characterized in that moment in his. Um, 
the souls of black folks, that spiritual striving. And when, um, when he, when he said, um, that the history of the American Negro is the history of this strife, this longing to obtain self-conscious manhood, to merge his double self into a better and truer self. In this merging, he wishes neither the, of the older self to be lost. He would not Africanize America, for America has too much to teach the world and Africa. He would not bleach his Negro soul in a flood of white Americanism, for, the, for he knows that Negro blood has a message for the world. He simply wishes to make possible for a man to be both a, a Negro and an American without being cursed and spit upon by his fellows, without having the doors of opportunity closed roughly in his face. And he had to come to that conclusion. I mean, he, he's working through it. I mean, the boy, the boys you'll see, he's, well, at first he was, you know, we need to, um, uh, to become white. Or not saying we need to assimilate. Mm-hmm. You know, we uplift suasion. That's what he was, you know, his thinking at first. But as he's, you know, thinking through this, he's saying, wait a minute. We are, we are who we are. We ain't what Lincoln said that they want us to be. And even when they want us to be, they want us to leave. Go someplace else. I want you to be white. But I want you to go be that over someplace else, someplace else where I can make some more money off you, Panama, right? I just needed to that that to be the closure of the challenge because this is what I think in today, in the Democratic Party, they're asking us to do, and that's why people are not participating. I'm not giving up who I am, and why am I not an American? And why are you spitting on me and closing the doors of opportunity? But some people are willing to do that, Richard. And that's where uh, the system makes sure or tries to make sure that these people are out front uh, in the forefront of black uh, uh, vision, so to speak, with the use of media and things like that. Some people are willing to do exactly what you're saying. Um. The other thing about the 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 need to monitor and to determine or set the parameters on what black people are doing, the moves they make. You you mentioned that, Richard. Right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um it's a couple of things I want to present. And one of them, the first one here, is something that Brother Clifton Abrams uh sent to me. Um out of New York, out of uh, Greenwood. Um, we're all familiar when, when he was on and they talked about the mural that was uh, uh, the historical mural that was painted in the black community yes. that people were upset about, including Jews in that area. He told me when I spoke with him the other day that they had a violence rap because uh, a popular uh hip-hop artists in the area had been killed and the people were um, reaching their wits end in reference to the violence so they had a a, a stop the violence uh, summit 
uh, black on black gun violence in uh, New York, New York. So they had it at the public library there. The, uh, um, and I had it in front of me too, but I'll get it. Paul wrote, I think it was, uh, no, it was Ossie Davis, a public facility up there. Now, a publication sent a reporter to the event, uh, talk of the town, it's a European reporter that went to the event. Now, Richard, I want to share some of this with the listening audience. So it'll really go straight to what you were saying. And and I wanted our people to really listen and, and understand uh, what is being uh, driven home here. And I'm, I'm going to read some of this here so we can uh, <laughs> uh, get a grasp. Uh, uh, the header was Nation of Islam front and center at Summit on Black-on-Black Gun Violence in New Rochelle Public Library. Now, keep in mind, Richard, that's his assessment, right? Let me go a little further. Uh, New Rochelle, New York, a summit held to discuss black-on-black gun violence in the wake of a murder of James Caldwell Jr., who performed under the name Boogie Nation, turned into a recruitment platform for the Nation of Islam. The first speakers were the Caldwell family members who spoke about the devastating impact of the violent death. After the Caldwell family spoke about black-on-black violence, uh, the event drifted away from the topic to conflict resolution, a lack of government programs, uh, to money, to the idea of too many black people are comfortable with white supremacy to a proposal that if the nation of Islam patrolled the streets of New Rochelle, the black on black violence would end immediately. Richard, uh, let me um, notice what this European writer writes. Did did you hear what he said? Yeah. Let me read that again for the listening audience. Notice this is a, uh, a stop the violence rally that's been organized in the black community at the Ossie Davis uh, 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 public library. And it says that after the Caldwell family spoke about black on black violence at the event, the event slowly drifted away from the topic to conflict resolution, a lack of government programs to money, to the idea of too many black people are comfortable with white supremacy to a proposal that if the nation of Islam patrolled the streets of New Rochelle, that black on black violence would end immediately. Now he said that it drifted away. Mm. That's his assessment. He's not black. He don't live in that community. That's his assessment. Now let me keep on going. Assistant Director of School-Based Programs at the Boys and Girls Club of New Rochelle was present. Among them was Councilmember Yadira Herbert, uh, Yadira Ramos Herbert. Other speakers included the NAACP Minister, Mark McLean, who said that there was money at City Hall and a desire to give it out, uh, said he needs to organize to demand money, and the city 
uh, should be willing to meet the demand. Neuros- That's the NAACP, right? Well, it says the minister, NAACP minister. Okay. The, the, the head of the NAACP up there was a, a, a sister, as, as uh, when I spoke to her about six months ago, unless the, the leadership has changed, I'm not sure. And the only reason I bring that up because, you know, the way the, the, the writer makes it like the Nation of Islam is doing it, but this is an NAACP minister that's saying there's money in City Hall to address something. Yeah, because from, from what he's describing here, it's a lot of different people there speaking. Right. His assessment that it drifted off into all these other things, that's his assessment. Mm-hmm. Let me continue. It says, New Rochelle uh, Municipal Housing Authority Executive Director Angela Farris was present, and attendee spoke about financial literacy. Arthur Muhammad of the Nation of Islam was among the featured speakers. Now, all of these people that I'm talking about, Richard, spoke mm-hmm. or was present. Arthur Muhammad of the Nation of Islam was a was among the featured speakers. Members of the Nation of Islam drill team took the stage. Now, Brother Cliff told me, I'm, I'm detracting from the article, Rich. Brother Cliff told me that young people was there, and they, mm-hmm. they, 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 there was some playing drums, and some did drills. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to continue reading. It says, member of the Nation of Islam drill team took the stage to perform. Cliff Abrams spoke about his leadership in installing a controversial mural under the I-287 underpass in Greenberg, New York. Abrams said three or four Jewish people had a problem with the mural, but he refused to remove the image of Minister Farrakhan to an enthusiastic applause. Mm-hmm. Greenberg town supervisor Paul Finder said he wanted to paint over the mural, which was approved without de- a depiction of Farrakhan. The Westchester Jewish Council has denounced the mural. I know Cliff Abrams a bit. He has always been amiable in our conversations, but I was unaware of his role in the Farrakhan mural controversy in Greenberg, Greenberg, or that it would be the focus of his 10-minute presentation. The purpose of this event is to bring awareness to black-on-black violence in the community that had happened and is happening and will continue to happen if we do not address the problems and find a solution. Now, that's what Brother Cliff said. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to play to you this presentation because in this guy's article, he uh, videoed the presentation that these young people had, and it was a uh, a brother that kind of brought them up there, and they did they uh, they did marching and things of that nature. But I would just mm-hmm. want to play to you a little brief clip of what he presented there to the audience. Right. How many fathers we have in here right now? Who's a father? I'm a father too. We have a father in here? All right. And women, y'all can bear witnesses, right? My wife can tell my son something 40 times. I'm going to tell him once. I'm coming out and say, yo, you good? You all right? Because a man's presence is different. And when we got in the chart, it said male empowerment was at the top. So one of the ways that we can help stop some of this violence the men has to stand up. Yes. See, the lions have to be lions. 
See, things get happening in community until the men be like, hold on, hold on. Nah, that's not happening over here. Most of the time, these are the women out front. All all, all the events we go to, man, it's 10 guys and 50 women. But when that dynamic changes, things change. Things change. When the men in the community are like, nah, that can't happen over here. Or you might have to deal with all of us. See, we worried about, see, we taught, so what we about to do is demonstrate what is called unity. It shows discipline. It shows brotherhood. But more importantly, unity. Because whether you're black, white, whether you're Muslim, Christian, whatever you believe in, our community is in the same condition. Is that right? Yes, Our community uh, is, is violence everywhere. So it's going to take all of us. All right? How to feel? How feel? motto was one sound, one body, one movement. One sound, one body, one movement. But you know, salute. Elijah. Red front. folks was up there marching and doing drills right which was a part of the whole stop the violence rally other people spoke now right. this european wrote after the thing was over because he was critical of the event uh, the event that happened let me read to you what he said here uh Uh, I don't know. First, he was he mentioned about Brother Cliff. And then he says, I don't know Arthur Muhammad of the Nation of Islam at all. Or that he would have uh, would be there with a drill team repeating, repeatedly honoring Louis Farrakhan. <laughs> I reached out to the Boys Club of New Rochelle. Now, remember, I said that the Boys Club sent representatives to talk about conflict resolution, right? Right, right. It says, I reached out to the Boys Club of New Rochelle, the city school district of New Rochelle, the New Rochelle Board of Education, the city of New Rochelle, the New Rochelle Police Department, the NAACP of New Rochelle, and the New Rochelle Municipal Housing Authority, and Council Member Yadira Ramos Herbert. And then he wrote uh, the responses here. Oh, he also said, uh, um, Corey, well, okay, let me go down here. 
he wrote to the council person, Yadira Ramos Herbert. Uh, Yadira, I was quite surprised that the event turned out to be a Nation of Islam event. You were the only member of council there, and I am told you intend to run for mayor. You actively participated in the conflict resolution portion. I have questions. Would you care to comment on what took place today, why you were involved, and what you think uh, was accomplished? Why federal grant money obtained through the city of New Rochelle used, used to fund an NOI event? Should it have been? Would you support further financial? Uh, would you give further financial support to the NOI? New Rochelle has since said no city funds were used for this event. Reverend Farrakhan was cited and quoted repeatedly on the stage. Can you comment on that? Anything else you would like to add? Hold on a second. I'm sorry. Anything else you would like to add? Uh, Robert Cox, publisher and editor of the Talk of the Sound. Now, that was the question that he asked her as a council mm-hmm. member. And notice mm-hmm. he said, you intend to run for mayor. Right, 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 right. Now, this but, is, but he also said no city, no, no, no money was used. Did he say, Data, I want to be clear on it. Did he say um, no money was used for the event? Uh, wait a minute. He said, uh, no, he said, why was federal grant money obtained through the city of New Rochelle used to fund an NOI event? That was a question. Right. Now, this was her response. A statement by Yadira Ramos Herbert. I was not aware that the NOI would be present at the event on Saturday. I was not involved in the planning of the program. I was invited and attended in an effort to hear the community on ways to disrupt gun violence in the community. I participated in the part of the program led by a social worker. I left early and had no other engagement and did not see the final presentation or anything else after the uh, uh, surveys that I passed out last year. I unequivocally denounce anti-Semitism. So, so wait a minute. That was her response, Richard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I came and I presented and I left early. But she did. Where did anti-Semitism come in at? Huh? Where did the anti-Semitism? Where did the Semitism come in at? Because the guy said uh, that the, the event turned into a Nation of Islam event, according to him. Now, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. She already said that she wasn't there, so she don't know what went on. <laughs> but she's she's saying I denounce anti-Semitism, right? That's what I'm saying. That's what is like throwing me out because the speakers that was lined out in his article and what was said or what they addressed ain't nobody even addressed that issue. Well, let's see, and that, and that's what I'm talking about in relation to what you said, Richard, over a hundred something years ago. That the mindset of Europeans is to get black folks to do what they want them to do. Not what you independently want to do. Now, look at what he said here again when he questioned her. He said, uh, you know, what she said. She said, I was invited to attend in an effort to hear the community's feedback on ways to disrupt gun violence in the community. I participated in a part of the program led by a social worker. So she said that she was there to hear what the community wanted to do in reference to gun violence. 
Right. So if the community invited a minister, uh, Herbert Muhammad, Arthur Muhammad, I'm sorry, invited the drill teams, invited Brother Cliff, whoever did, because they invited the NAACP minister. Right. They right. invited a lot of people. They invited her. <laughs> she was. She said she was there, but her thing is I left early, so I don't know what went on. And I have to say this, Elliot, because of my, she came there to hear what they, what the community was to say, but she didn't stay. Yeah, supposedly. How you going yeah. here? Yeah, how you going here? And and you're a council person. Okay, let me let me go further, Richard. So after he gets a letter from her, he writes uh, the school district of New Rochelle. The Boys and Girls Club was part of organizing this event. This is the same author of this magazine. The specific person said that uh, she is in uh, is in Isaac and Albert at lunch hour working with students. Does the district have any concerns that a partner organization has aligned itself with the Nation of Islam and provided a platform to honor Louis Farrakhan? Would you care to provide a statement? Now, that's that's what he wrote to the Boys and Girls Club, Richard. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay, they wrote back, no, we do not wish to provide a statement. Thanks. (laughs) So, like, (laughs) forget you. (laughs) Okay, and then then he said, then he wrote, uh, he writes a letter to the city because it was at the Ossie Davis Center. Mm -hmm. Would you care to provide a statement? The city was connected to this event directly and indirectly. Uh, Jorge Ventura spoke. Uh, Angela Farris and Mark McLean are both on the African-American Advisory and Rapid Response Team. Mark McLean, and that's the minister for the NAACP, mm-hmm. is on the, uh, is, is likely to be appointed civilian uh, chaplain Review of the review board. This was a great deal of. Uh, wait a minute, hold it. I lost my place. Oh, wait a minute, hold it. Uh, does the city have any concerns that it has aligned itself directly and indirectly with the Nation of Islam and helped provide a platform to honor Louis Farrakhan? That was the letter that he wrote to the city. Mm hmm. Then it says here, the city declined to provide a statement on the background and said that it does not provide funds for local events. That was the city's response. Mm-hmm. So so now he goes to the, and writes to the public library because it was at the Ossie Davis uh, Center. Mm-hmm. It says, uh, an event took place on Saturday, December 10th, uh, and was presented as a program to address black-on-black violence in the community. We understood it to be a collective effort of local organizations and leaders to bring unity to the community. And typically uh, the kinds of programs for which we normally take the library's theater available. We had no knowledge that the NOI was a part of the program. The library does not condone or support any organization that espouses hatred, bigotry, or intolerance. Uh, the city had no role in organizing and sponsoring this event, nor was it aware in advance of the Nation of Islam's participation. The city officials in attendance were present 
at the invitation of the organizers and were unaware in advance of the Nation of Islam's role. Needless to say, I strongly condemn bigotry, anti-Semitism, and reject organizations that propagate hateful messages in any form. I am confident that this sentiment is fully shared by other black public officials in New Rochelle. Other black public officials. Mm-hmm. You know, but I guess, of course, it was a, it was a black event held in the right. Ossie Davis Center. Right. In fact, they say it here. Uh, Director Thomas uh, Galafino told the talk of the town that there was no application filed to use the Ossie Davis Theater for the Grace Our Race event. There was just a verbal request, but no mention was made about the Nation of Islam. <laughs> you see that? You see what I'm talking about, Richard? Uh, I mean, it, it's and and to the degree that this reporter is following up to put it on record, and he's at he's he's framing the question in relationship to the Nation of Islam. Eh? Was nobody mentioned or and Farrakhan based off of the clip? It wasn't, you know, each person, the NAACP, the council person, the council person say, well, I was just there to do a conflict resolution. Oh, man. Where where does the Farrakhan piece come in at for this question to be framed? Well, because uh, the minister, Arthur Muhammad, was part of the Nation of Islam. Right. But When when the young man was marching, after they were done, he said, we learn these things as a part of the NOI and the Nation of Islam. So all of a sudden, anything that was done at that event was tainted, as far as this guy is concerned. Right, right. It, it was organized solely to support. That's that's what he's saying. Like, the, the people, whoever was the organizers, they, they brought this together to support the Nation of Islam. There wasn't nothing said about the Nation of Islam, other than he introducing the who as a community organization. I mean, it's, I, I, you know, the reason I'm, I'm, I'm emphasizing that into my, you know, myself into the listening audience is that look, as you're saying, Elliot, look how someone is intimidating a future mayor, a bureaucratic, you know, office, the, 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 the now they got to come off and say, well, like we didn't need, they didn't sign anything. They just showed up. <laughs> Ain't nobody know they was coming and who was going to be there. Wow. And all of them said, well, they ain't getting no money from us. So he said they got money. Well, he ain't mentioned the federal. I mean, somebody cut the, if it was money, the people he interviewed about the money, they said they ain't getting no, they ain't, they didn't get no money from them. The council person, the person at the 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 uh, uh, the, um, the 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 rec center, none of the city agencies gave up no money. So where is he saying this money, this federal money that that was supposed to be used? Where did that come from? Richard, this guy wrote when he seen because he mentioned Brother Cliff in there. Mm-hmm. He mentioned he said. Uh, he didn't realize it in his 10-minute spiel that he would be mentioning uh, a, a mural that contained an anti-Semite. That's what he said, right? Mm-hmm. Now, and then 
behind him came up uh, 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 Arthur Muhammad and brought some young people up there that was marching mm-hmm. to show them, show the audience, this is positive things that young people can get into. And then, the, you know, the young people were marching. And before that, he said, and the men of the community are what they need to do to prevent the violence. Yeah, exactly. Not the men of the nation of Islam, the men of the community, when they are moving in lockstep like this. And so plus, he's giving an example. Plus, he st- if you meant to remember, he mentioned, I don't care whether you're Muslim, Christian, whatever, he right. said it, that we need to come together as men in the community. Right. So this guy writes to the New Rochelle Public Library, to the mayor, Norman Branson, uh, to the council person that was there, to the boys club, uh, to the city of New Rochelle, to the school district of New Rochelle. Uh, uh, he wrote to about six or seven different agencies and, and, and demanding an explanation on why a library was used for a stop the violence event in the black community, and Minister Farrakhan's name is even uttered. Right. And, bl- and black posts don't see nothing wrong with that. And, 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 for, and for the two to respond, we don't support. Like, what? even when they were there, what anti-Semitic language was presented for their response? His name, that's all. His name. I mean, like, it's, it's, it's wild, Elliot. But see, it's Richard, wild. but see, that that's what I'm talking about, about the political representation now. Right. And the, the, the obstacles that we face as a collective trying to disassociate ourselves from these type of people and this type of leadership. You know, uh, Brother Maurice Carver up there in New York sent me this clip, Richard, and I'm going to play it before we take a break, mm-hmm. of um, Stephen Reed down there in Montgomery. Now, if you remember, Richard, when he won the mayor as mayor of Montgomery, Alabama, it was all over the black social media. It was in the News One. It was in the Huffington Post, the Grio. I mean, it was all you know, cheerful that this man has went in. He's a young black man. He's a Democrat. Uh, he's taken over Montgomery. Montgomery is a city that's over 60% black. But he said something strange here, Richard. And I'm going to play a clip. because It was a little brief clip. They got others, but I'm not going to play a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it came from a state uh, an, over an hour uh, uh, meeting that he had. But let me play this because this is how some of our people, and, and, and you'd hate to put a number on it, but this is how a lot of black leadership feels in reference to their own people. If I can, uh, if I can find this thing here, Richard. Might have to take a break and come back and get it. Uh, let me see here. I might be able to grab it. If not, I'll, I'll uh, take a brief break, and when we come back, I'll have it. Let me see. Yep, that's what I'm going to have to do. Uh, 
this is what I'll do. I'll take a brief break. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation. You can get involved, too, by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Time for an awakening. We'll be right back. For an awakening, time for an awakening with host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at time for an awakening at gmail.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years. Located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services. Representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies. Offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger. Run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. Black Power. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your global Kometsu black family, to join your interconnected Kometsu black communities, escape the digital plantation now, abibitumi.com, abibitumi.tv, abibitumitv.com, abibitumi.store. We are here for you. 
escape the digital plantation. I am an African. The death of my brother is also my death. Let me put this question to you again, because many foolish black middle classes and many foolish people who are eating well think that they can sit in America and watch this country destroy the African continents and watch this country destroy African Caribbeans and watch this country destroy Africans in Central and South America and think that these same people who destroy Africans abroad will not be the same people who will destroy them in America. There are fools in this, this country who try to claim that they are not Africans, who claim that they do not see color, as if they're not seeing color makes any difference in the world. Simply because you don't see color doesn't mean somebody does not see you as color. And that's the issue. And you think then that you can sit in this country while this same nation and these same people that you sleep with and marry and love and so forth can go out and destroy African people and not think those people do not see you as African. Even though you choose not to see yourself as African, you'd better think again. You're out of your minds and you're headed for death. You must understand that. Hide behind it. I am an American. Ladies and gentlemen, the death and destruction of black people will follow those kind of abstractions. Probably the next five or ten years will indicate whether or not the black man can survive. Our struggle for survival is a very real struggle. And the white man has prepared genocide for black people. Unemployment, the black man is no longer necessary. Unemployment is going to be a, a way of life for black people. We are going to face increasing dangers and problems as the days pass. And we're totally unequipped as black people to deal with them. We're a part of a slave culture. We have no preparation. We have no black institutions capable of dealing with white racist institutions designed to serve only white people. We must deal with the problem that confronts black people by building black institutions, by understanding that only a separate disposition is a viable position for black people. Any organization or any leader in America who today advocates integration is a foe and an enemy of black people and their survival in the coming years. this crooked game of power politics here in America, the Negro, namely the race problem, integration, civil rights issues, are all nothing but tools used by the whites who call themselves liberals against another group of whites who call themselves conservatives, either to get into power or to retain power. Among whites here in America, the political teams are no longer divided into Democrats and Republicans. The whites who are now struggling for control of the American political throne 
are divided into liberal and conservative camps. The white liberals from both parties cross party lines to work together toward the same goal. And white conservatives from both parties do likewise. The white liberal differs from the white conservative only in one way. The liberal is more deceitful, more hypocritical than the conservative. Both want power, but the white liberal is the one who has perfected the art of posing as the Negro's friend and benefactor. And by winning the friendship and support of the Negro, the white liberal is able to use the Negro as a pawn or a weapon in this political football game that is constantly raging between the white liberals and the white conservatives. The American Negro is nothing but a political football. listening to Time for an Awakening. Time for an Awakening with host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 8.26 here in the city of Philadelphia, Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening, the March 12th uh, edition. And we're in open forum. Anything that's on your mind, you can give us a call. We'll talk about it. You can do that by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Richard, I uh, found those clips there I want to play in reference to uh, uh, Stephen Reed, the mayor of Montgomery, Alabama, and comments that he made in reference to his own community, his own brothers and sisters. Um, I'm not going to play all of it. I'm going to play just one segment. And then it's a, um, he makes a rebuttal in reference to the comments. And I, for fairness, I want to, to listen to to hear the comment and then hear what he said in reference to why he said it and things of that nature. But uh, let me go to it and pull this up. This is his initial comments. he said there um, when he said I don't have to do any fucking work and mm-hmm. excuse the French mm-hmm. I don't have to do nothing and I'll still get 38% to 45% of the white vote well mm-hmm. he's right 
he don't when he say he don't have to do nothing, he's talking about he don't have to do nothing for you. Right. For us. And he'll get white support. So basically he was saying that I don't need you to help me do anything. I'm gonna still mm-hmm. get support. This is what he said out of his own mouth. And then other comments he made in reference to the community and, and uh stuff about the uh, uh, black people not putting any money towards uh, what uh, needs to be done and things of that nature. Although you do have a tax base, he's a mayor. It's not like he's looking for funds like uh, you would be trying to uh, organize people to donate, Richard. It's not like that. He's dealing with a tax base, and he gets federal funds, he gets state funds, so he gets money. That that's a little different than uh, the, uh, being you trying to organize and, and solicit people for funds. Um, yeah, he says here you got a black city. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Reed said during another part of the discussion, you can have all black everything. Uh, uh, and you and if you don't have nothing green, you won't have anything. Uh, we need white money. Uh, things, wait a minute here. I done mixed up these on papers. Well, I, I was hoping that uh, some of the statements that he made would be clear. Now, let me go to the rebuttal because when, the, when those remarks came public, then he had to address it. So I'll let the listening audience hear what he said in reference to him. Montgomery Mayor Stephen Reed addresses the weekend publication of profanity-laced audio clip. He held a news conference to address the issue today. WSFA 12 News anchor Sally Pitts was there. Mayor Reed claims the audio recordings are not only heavily edited, but also part of an attempt to extort him. Reed says Charles Lee, owner of That's My Child, is behind the release of the recordings. The mayor called Lee a hustler and liar. Reed says the clips were recorded nearly three years ago following the death of George Floyd. Reed said he wanted to deliver a speech to the community and invited community members to be a part of the conversation. Reed said during a meeting with Lee, it became a parent that Lee had an alternative motive. Where is the $30,000 that purportedly was promised to him by a previous administration? And so you hear me frustrated, you hear me angry, and you hear a level of tension in my voice that most people probably won't hear because we aren't in that position. And at the time, looking back, and I thought about this almost immediately, I should have gotten up and left. Late today, Lee reiterated he never asked for money. He also told WSFA 12 News the audio clips were edited down from an hour and a half conversation. Bailey says after the meeting, he was informed by Mayor Reed's chief of staff that the mayor did not wish to pursue an investigation. Now, we did ask Charles Lee to do a follow-up interview with Richard. Let me say something in reference to that. Now, it said after the meeting, he uh, asked them not to do any follow-up. I'm talking about the mayor. Right. Now, he said that this whole conversation stemmed from after George Floyd, he wanted to have a community meeting with leaders in the community, right? Right. So 
how did it boil down? If you want to have a conversation with leaders of the community, how does it boil down with you basically insulting your community and saying you don't need their support? Mm-hmm. See, it's, always, it's something. They, go ahead. That type, always, that type always do. That's how, that's how, that's their comeback. I mean, it's, it's something. To, well, let me. I'm going to finish up. I just wanted to stop it there, but I'm going to finish it. Here, here, I'm going to finish the rest. With us to discuss the mayor's news conference today. Informed by Mayor Reed's chief of staff that the mayor did not wish to pursue an investigation. Now, we did ask Charles Lee to do a follow-up interview with us to discuss the mayor's news conference today. He said he would talk to us at tonight's city council meeting. While the issue did not come up during the meeting, Lee did talk briefly to our Brady Talbert when it was over. Brady is joining us live now from Montgomery City Hall with more on his response. Brady? Mark, he says he was upset, and he says he feels like the mayor made things a little too personal, and now he's giving us his reaction. I just want to let people know that I'm not a thug, I'm not a criminal, I'm not shysty or all of those things that he said. Charles Lee feels disrespected by Mayor Reed. He says he was presented as a thug in the mayor's news conference. I have never called him out his name. I would not even do that now because I will not disrespect our leader. I'm not going to do that. Even though you call me those things or whatever, that is not what God called me to do. After that comment, Lee didn't stick around for any more questions. Avis Lewis also attended the council meeting. She says she was born and raised in Montgomery and has worked at Maxwell Air Force Base. She was offended by the mayor's comments in the audio recording and wants him to resign. But I want mayor to know I love everybody, including him. But he didn't apologize, and he didn't say he didn't say it. Meanwhile, Councilman C.C. Calhoun says he believes the mayor's press conference helped clear the air. The CEO of the city came out, uh, set the record straight based on what's said. When you got a one-sided conversation, you got both sides of the story when he had a rebuttal based on what's said. I think we need to continue to work together and move to the city Montgomery forward. Now, Councilman Calhoun also questioned the motive of releasing that audio now when it was recorded three years ago. Uh, now, Richard, uh, you heard what the older lady said. Right. That he, over there. Mm-hmm. And he didn't apologize, and he didn't deny that he said it. Right, right, <laughs> And right, he should resign. Right. Now, the, the, this other council member says that, uh, oh, let's move on because uh, that was three years ago. Well, I don't care. It was two years ago. If that was said and you're still the representative of that community, what do you mean by that? I mean, the community doesn't deserve an explanation. It's, 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 it's tough, Elliot. I'm talking it's about a real explanation. I ain't talking about that, dude, that the crap that he just said. But go ahead. No, no, I was just saying it's tough when these these guys, they uh, – they, 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 the way they, they're so frustrated. It's that it, it goes to, you know, this point that I've heard, you know, where they're frustrated of ordinary black people. And, and to be able to say, like, we, I don't really need you. And Elliot, there's a cadre of younger black political, political leaders who really are re, are emphasizing that. And they may not say, you know, in that moment, and it, but that if you talk to them, that's how they believe. I know it. You're the problem. I know it. That's, that's, yeah. why, that's why I played that, Richard. That's why I played that. And they're being used uh, uh, 
the money financing them really directs them. Whether it's from, uh, quote unquote, religious organizations like Jewish organizations or Jews themselves or just regular white Catholics, Protestants or whatever they are, Christians. Mm -hmm. This money is directing them and they do what they're told. Now, before I go, because there's a couple calls up here, before I go to to Richard, it was an article in the um, Guardian a couple of days ago. Let me let me share with listening audience this. It says evangelical Christians flock to Republicans over support for Israel. It says when Israel's former ambassador to the U.S. said his country should worry less about what American Jews think and concentrate on Christian evangelicals as the backbone of support for the Jewish state, he had in mind the Texas megachurch pastor John Hagee. Hagee founded Christians United for Israel, a group that has 11 million members who has had significant influence on the Republican Party politics and in hardening Washington's already strong support for Israel. President Donald Trump made no secret of his desire to keep Hagee and Christian Zionist voters happy as a key part of his base by abandoning even the premise that the U.S., was a neutral player in uh, the revolving Israel-Palestinian conflict. Uh, None of that has discouraged Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu from addressing the uh, Christian United for Israel summit in Washington in 2019. He told Hagee, I want to thank you for your enduring tremendous support for decades You've been leading the effort for strengthening support for Israel from the within the Christian community. Israel's mm-hmm. ambassador to Washington, Ron Dermer, was not alone in his view about the significance of Christian evangelical support, uh, along with American Jews, uh, of Israel's uh, right to exist. Well, w- wait a minute, Richard. The reason I read that is because it talks here about this strong support from evangelical Christians. That's white Christians. And how it's just hardening Washington's already strong support for Israel. And it talks about Trump and his overtures towards the same group. But what's the difference when you're talking about Biden? They're both Hmm. appealing to the same groups. They're saying white brethren are in these groups, and they both support Israel. I don't care whether they're Republican or Democrat, but they have the CBC support because they're getting money from these organizations. They don't see anything wrong with what they're doing. Now, it it says here that Israel is making overtures, strong overtures, towards this evangelical Christian community. Hmm. Now, let me read this before I go to the phones. This was printed in the New Yorker on September the 20th, September 2nd of 2020. The header says, Americans' Christianity, Americans' uh, Christianity's white supremacist problem. And this author kind of refers back to Frederick Douglass. He says, early in the narrative life of Frederick Douglass, 
in the first three autobiographies, Douglas wrote uh, over his lifetime, he recounts what happened, or perhaps more accurately, what didn't happen after his master, Thomas Auld, became a Christian believer at a Methodist camp meeting. Douglas had abhorred the hope that of Ord's conversion in August of 1832 might lead to his emancipation of his slaves, or at least make him more kind and humane. Instead, Douglas writes, if I had any, if it had any effect on his character, it made him more cruel and hateful in all his ways. Ord was ostentatious about his piety praying morning, noon, and night, participating in revivals, opening his home to traveling preachers. But he used his faith as a license to inflict pain on suffering upon slaves. I've seen him tie up a young black woman and whip her with a heavy cowskin naked, causing warm red blood to run. And in justification of his bloody deed, he would quote the passage of scripture. He that knoweth his master's will and doeth it not shall be beaten with many stripes, Douglas writes. Douglas is so scornful about Christianity in his memoirs. Uh, and he felt as though he needed to give an explanation by clarifying his position on religion. Well, I'm, I don't want to keep on reading about Douglas, but he sets the premise about uh Christianity's white supremacist problem. But look at what he says here, Richard. Yet 125 years after Douglas's death, the, the American church is still struggling to eradicate the legacy of a slaveholding religion he loathed. In 2019, national, a nationwide survey, 86% of white evangelical Protestants and 75% of white mainline Protestants and white Catholics says that the Confederate flag is more of a symbol of Southern pride than a racism. Nearly two thirds of white Christians overall said that killings of African-American men by police are isolated incidents rather than a broader pattern of mistreatment. And more than six in 10 white Christians disagreed with the statement that generations of slavery and discrimination have created conditions that make it difficult for, for blacks to work their way out of the lower class. So you see an overwhelming opinion among white, quote-unquote, Christians. Evangelicals. That, mm -hmm. that you are the problem. Right. But according to black politicians, the white allies among the Jewish community is supposed to be your friends. But here in this article, it states that their main base of support is white evangelicals. So how does that work, Richard? Is my friend my enemy? My enemy my friend? What good? What game are we playing? And what, what game is black politicians playing when they play this dangerous game with their people? Because they want to take money. And they use their people as a pawn. In this in this game they're playing, according to the the, uh, the own stats, the overwhelming majority of white Christians, period, loathe black people. That's what the state basically stating here. Mm -hmm. And you see here where the overwhelming base 
of Israel support, according to the ambassador to the U.S., and, and uh, uh, one former ambassador and one current ambassador is their base of support is evangelical Christians. How is that working? I thought you was my friend. I thought Jewish people were uh, black people's allies. Come on here. See, that this, this is the problem I'm talking about, Richard, when we talked about the, the new challenges that our people are facing as opposed to the challenge that you read about when they organized to leave Tennessee to move to different areas of the West. Because we got leadership now that wants to play cozy and footsie with a lot of these people. And it puts our people in a precarious position because some of these people think they're your friends. Some of these people are proud of their quote-unquote accomplishments. He's the first. He's this. He's that. He's the youngest. And them people don't care nothing about you. It's a means to an end. Everything is before you. It ain't, I'm a black man first. It's, I'm a politician first. I'm a Democrat mm. first. I'm a Greek-letter organization. That That's first. I'm a lodge, my lodge member. I'm, that's first. My religion, I'm a Christian, I'm Muslim. Everything is first. Being black is second, maybe third. Let me go to a couple of these calls and see if, uh, let's go to 267. 267? <laughs> 267, must have fell asleep. Let's go to 215. 215? Good evening, Brother Elliot. How you doing, my brother? Yes, sir. Good evening, Brother Richard. How you doing, my brother? What's up? Uh, praise be to Allah. I'm glad your brother's doing well. Well, I guess you can start from this point, Brother Richard and Brother Elliot. With Dr. King's statement, as you know, he always said that on Sunday morning in America is the most segregated day in America. You know what I mean? You know, the so-called white Christian brethren don't want to even fellowship with the black Christians. I mean, this came out of Dr. King's mouth, not mine, and he's right. And don't forget, Dr. King, at the height when these whites... Christians, and I use the word in context and sarcasm in a lot of ways, these so-called white Christians of the Ku Klux Klan, because as you well know, they're supposed to be Christians. Am I right? So they call themselves Christian Knights of the Klan. They're supposed to be white Christian men, the ones that set the bomb and then killed our four little black queens down in uh, in Alabama. They're supposed to be white Christian men, the, 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 the white, two white thugs that murdered Emmett Till. They was allegedly white Christian men, the white skank. That, that, that starter artist, Carolyn Bryant, she's supposed to be a white Christian woman. Now, I say all that to say this. When all this stuff was going on with the Emmett Tills, the four little girls getting bombed, and, and, and then these white perpetrators, you know, being brought to justice, Dr. King, he, again, don't take my word for it. Do what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad always say. Do your own research and, 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 and validate what I'm saying. He admonished these white ministers at the time, the people like the Oral Roberts, the Billy Grahams, all these so-called white Christian ministers for the men of God, men of God, they supposed to be. They didn't open their damn mouth when these white their white Christian brethren and sister was terrorizing our people, and that's why Dr. King admonished them. And stuff, and you see the same thing going on the years after Dr. King's death. These white evangelicals and white Christians, according to the report that you just read, Elliot, where they don't 
where they, where, where they supposed to be friends of these these white Jews or the Jews supposed to be friends of theirs and stuff. And yet, when these white cops murder our people, they don't like you said these white Christian brethren. No different than their mindset, their brother of 50 years ago during Dr. King's era, they saying there's no pattern of racism, isolated incidents. You know, I mean, you see that you you, you see this the the, the the same stuff is being done over and over again. And again, our black leadership, like or misleadership, if you want to refer to it, is that what is they doing? They they sitting there playing footsies with both of these people. They they play footsies with these white evangelicals as well as these white Jews. And who who the one get caught? you know, get caught in the put in a precarious position like you said, Elliot, it's black people. You know? See see we gotta start calling these Negroes out and stuff, man, because they do damage to our people and every year I don't know if the town from the wicked list audience was is aware of this. Every year you got a group of handkerchief head and I'm not gonna sugarcoat it, you got a group of handkerchief head, boot licking black ministers around this country that send our black children where they it, 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 it's just, I guess it's starting back up with momentum now because it was kinda frozen for a year or two because of the pandemic. But prior to that, there was a group of our young black children over to Israel to be indoctrinated. Where these black children that come out of these Christian churches was being sent to Israel under the, under the skies of fellowship or whatever like that. But they was being indoctrinated to say that these white Europeans are the are the chosen people of God. I mean, this is deep, man. And these and these black handkerchief head, pork chop beating, swine eating menaces, they were the ones pushing this. This is not no opinion, Richard Nally. This is done. This is fact. They do this, and they was doing it wholeheartedly prior to the pandemic. Like I said, it, it starting. They started up again after I think last year with the, with a the, lot of the lockdowns being lifted. So they starting again to now children over there, and he, and, it's, and these black Congress people, senators, whatever, they know this stuff is going on, and they, they and they pretty much get. They're okay with it, you know what I mean? And just been doctored our children, because they know if you can win the hearts and minds of these young black children, you got them. Because you know, us old heads, we gonna be, we gonna be, we 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 we, we our time is we gonna at some point make transition. But these younger ones, you get them young fertile minds, man, you got them. You know what I mean? This is where the danger's at, Ella. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I mean, this is deep, man. But see, again, this is black leadership is all the way around. And we you know, when you talk about. <laughs> When you talk about the situation up in New Rochelle, New York, see, once again, Elliot, I told you, Richard, as many times you can play the old clips, like I said, the same thing over and over again. I, I don't, I don't want to hear no more about what some, and I said again, I don't want to hear, I don't give a damn, I don't hear no, nobody call, no black person call this show or any show on, on terrestrial radio talking about so, what some Arab did in the community that disrespected the black community or what some Latino did or Asian did. If you could, if, if black Misleadership and these spineless Negroes, whether it's in up in up in New York, New, New Rochelle, New York, or Philadelphia, they continually capitulate to these white Jews and bow down. I don't want to give a damn about what, what, what somebody else disrespect. You can't stand up to these white Zionists and stuff, and you poke out every time they say something. You feel as though you got to make a statement. You know, you got to apologize and stuff. You got to make some kind of statement. Like Brother Richard said, Mister Farrakhan wasn't even an issue on that thing in the library. The minister wasn't even. You know what I mean, Brother Richard? He wasn't even. He wasn't even a topic. They was there to talk about violence. And I'm saying to myself, if y'all so-called white allies care about the violence in the black communities like y'all claim, you wouldn't give a damn whether the nation of Islam or the nation of anybody was involved. They can help stem this violence. What, what, what you care if they was involved or not? They had some kind of input on that. But it shows you that these people don't give a damn about our people, Richard. 
and and now they, they don't give a damn. They they want to see all these ignorant brothers and sisters they killing each other. Cause they don't care. Cause they benefit from it. Cause I never forget. And I'll say a couple more things. And I'll get off. You remember Ellen and Richard back years ago at the Mayfield Mansions up in Washington D.C. with Nasivism came into the one of the roughest neighborhoods in Washington. They cleaned it up. They got a contract with the city. They got they got rid of all. They, they, that neighborhood was so bad up there in Washington. The Mayfair Mansions, I think it was called. That black people couldn't sit out there in, in daytime, much less nighttime. Yet elders, children couldn't play outside because of the drugs, the prostitution, the, the violence. You name it, it was just totally out of can. The Nation of Islam came up there in a matter of a month or so. They cleaned that whole area out. They 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 they, they, they ran the drug dealers out. They had the people with the community where black folks could sit down and and and, and enjoy the summer day. The children could play outside. The elders could sit on their porch, their steps, whatever, enjoy the music. They drink their lemonade, read the paper. They brought peace and stability. Here these damn white Jews start complaining. Oh, the city gave a contract to the nation of Islam. That Louis Farrakhan, they come in indoctrinating. They just using this as a nation of Islam to, to recruit people. And in and, 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 and a predominantly so-called chocolate city, they caved into these white Jews, and they ran the nation of Islam, broke the contract, the, the nation of Islam. I wasn't allowed to patrol the area in a matter of a month or so. The, the, it was back chaos again. The drug dealers came back, the prostitution, everything. I mean, you, you, you see this pattern over and over again. When the nation of Islam makes a difference and they clean it up, here come these white folks that are supposed to love our people and care about us, whether they're white Jews or white Protestants. Don't give a damn whether they're still white folks. So when they make their little bitches and complaining about the nation of Islam, they, the Negroes cave in and the community goes right back to hell in a handbasket. You know what I mean? I mean, I mean, it's just amazing, man. At, at a time, this is 2023, and these niggas are still bowing down to these white Jews and these white Protestants, whatever. I mean, it's, it's, it's just sickening, man. I just get so sick of this stuff with these Negroes, man. They got, and they're supposed to represent the interests of black people. You got a, a Wafia war knocked down in Georgia, elected by black folks, and I know what I'm talking about because my friends live in Georgia, and she raised money for that nigga. She had, she fried, she had some fried chicken dinner. Her and her church people down in, in, in Athens, Georgia. To raise money for that Negro so he could get elected. What do we do? He get up and tell him, I'm going to be the best senator for the state of Israel. I mean, are you kidding me? I, like saying, I didn't know you represent Tel Aviv, Jerusalem. I thought you were the senator for, for, the, for the black community down in Georgia. Same with that clown up in New York, Eric Adams, same way. You know, I'm, I love the Jewish people. I love the Israeli people. I'm going to move there when I leave office. You know, you got this clown up in New York, uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, Jeffries, Hakeem, the same way. I, I love the Jewish people. I done been to Israel many times, met with Netanyahu and all that. I mean, come on, man. I mean, we and we, and we sit back here and we keep on supporting these people, thinking for whatever reason they support black people. They let you know clearly they're giving you their ass to kiss. They don't give a damn about no black people. All they're going to continue to do is bow down to white Jewish power, white Protestant power, white Christian power, while their people going to a hell in a handbasket, man. They ain't, and, and, and at the same time, to use Brother Richard quotes, political entrepreneurs, they benefiting from it. They getting all kinds of financial perks. They live in large. Eric Adams, former police commissioner, police officer, he go, when he leave public office, he can, he can definitely shut for the move to Israel anywhere else he wants to, because he's going to have a, a police pension, a mayor pension. Hakeem Jeffries going be, to be wealthy when he leave office if he ain't already. You know what I mean? Same with war knock and stuff. I mean, people, they live in large, but they're going to be living in the, the, in the rich lifestyle while they're in office, that they leave office. But they're poor, poor black folks that voted for them. They had all these fried chicken dinners and, and whatever they had to raise money. They're the ones that are going 
be caught with you know behind the eight ball. I mean, it's, I know people don't want to hear it. It sounds harsh and it sounds cold, but it's the truth. You know, I'm telling the truth, Ellen Richard. They're the ones going to be, and their children will be the ones that's going to be still going to piss poor schools and living in food deserts. These Negroes going to be living large, man. You know what I mean? I mean, we just got to. I mean, we just got to stop this trend, man. We can't keep going down this same road with these cowardly Negroes, whether they be male or female, Democrat or Republican, liberal or conservative. If they're not looking out for black, they're going to continue to cave into these white Protestants, these white Jews. We got to find, we got to dis- disown them, don't vote for them, vote them out of office, dis- you know, ignore them, you know, ostracize them from the black community. We got to do what we have to do to make it clear that we can't support these niggas. They're not in our best interest, man. That's just the bottom line. I can't make it no more clear than that. You cannot keep supporting these Negroes because, like, the quote, that old quote, the definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing over and over and over again and expect a different result. It's just, it's just, it's just, it just don't work that way in life, man. You're going to get the same results. You're going to keep getting what you're getting, you know, and that's the bottom line, Elliot, you know. And that's all I say. I'll get off some muscular on that. I just want to thank you for letting me express myself, bro. Well, listen, let me, let me say this, because the solution I mean, we, we can point out what they're doing, and, and it has to be pointed out. Uh, but the solution, we have the solution because we don't have to keep dealing with these people. In fact, we need to cultivate people to run against them that's independent, I agree. That's independent of these, these, uh, these groups. And we, I can, agree. we can do it. Listen, sure this, this thing here, now... This council person was one of the ones that was fighting against Brother Cliff. He mentioned her mm-hmm. when he was on the program. I just wanted to sink in here. The the gall of this guy that wrote this article. Now, I'm going to read it again while you're on and for the listening audience again. Because okay. he wrote it to several different uh, the Boy Scouts, uh, the, the, the city of... Uh, New Rochelle, he did, but let me read it to, to, to this, uh, con- this council person, Yadira Herbert. Sure. Uh, Yadira Ramos Herbert. It says, Yadira, I was quite surprised that the event uh, turned out to be a Nation of Islam event. You were the only member of council there, and I am told you intend to run for mayor. You actively participated in the conflict resolution a ball toss, I have a few questions. Would you care to comment on what took place uh, today, why you were involved, and what you think you accomplished? Uh, Why was federal grant money obtained through the city of New Rochelle used to fund an NOI event? Should it have been? Would you support, uh, would you give further financial support? But then he, he writes a note here saying, note, the city of New Rochelle has said since that no city funds were used for the event. Then he says, Reverend Farrakhan was cited and quoted repeatedly on stage. Can you comment on that? Anything else you would like to add? Robert Cox, publisher and managing editor of the Talk of the Sound. Then her response is, I was unaware that the NOI would be present at the event on Saturday. I was not involved in planning the program. I was invited and attended in an effort to hear the community on ways to disrupt gun violence in the community. I participated in a part of the program led by the social worker. I left early and had another engagement and did not see 
the rest of the presentation uh, unequivocally denounced anti-Semitism. Now, well, what kind of what? what? Now, that's kind of a veiled threat here saying, I am told you attend to run for mayor. What's that got to do with him asking questions about that event? Exactly. And, and, and see, but I'm glad you put that up about the how to say she left the event. Because you see a pattern over and over again with these Negroes. Like I said before, like the late, great Dave Richardson, who was famous for saying, I'm a black man first and a state representative second. Because Dave, God rest his soul, may Allah be pleased with him. He was a man, not a punk. He was a man. Now, you see a pattern. Remember Jerry Mondeside, the late Mondeside, used to be the head of NAACP, right, Elliot? And Philly. Yes. All right. You see, I'm bringing this up to you and Brother Richard in the time so we can listen on it. You see a pattern with these spineless Negroes. Years ago, Minister Rodney Muhammad, who, who succeeded him as the uh, NWC president, well, him and my side was, was, had a good relationship, was good friends. Well, Minister Rodney, and I know this for a fact, he invited my side down to the, mosque, the old mosque on Broad Street and stuff. Because uh, for an event, because Sister Ava Muhammad, God rest her soul, who made transition uh, last year, she uh, she was the guest speaker at the Nation of Islam event down at Mosque 12. So about, I'm, going, I'm going back about eight years, seven, eight years ago. Anyway, nine, ten years ago, whatever. Anyway, my other side came to the event. Elliot, I was there. Me and Brother Rob, rest his soul, we was there. When, when, when Jerry Montessori was right up on a, on, on a podium with Minister Rodney, and, and while Minister Rodney was talking and everything, he was you know clapping and everything. He was talking about you know racism and and, and 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 trying to bring the black community together, move us forward. So much Sister Ava came on, Brother Elliot, and Sister Ava, you know how she is. She don't bite her tongue. She came after she went, you know, after she gave us a lot, so in our in the name of a lot of beneficent, the merciful, and everything like that. Once she went into her speech and start calling these white racist people out that oppress our people. And she was doing everything like you always say, Elliot, from a historical perspective, just putting out the white Jews, the white product, everybody, everybody had a hand in our oppression. Brother Elliot, I wouldn't lie. I would not lie to you and brother Richard. Soon as Sister Ava starts talking about these white Jews, and these white Jerry Myers said his, he jumped off that podium and ran out the side door. I saw this nigga. Because brother Ralph said, Joe, he said, Joe, did, did I speak? Because Brother Robin, you know, he was busy handed. He said, Brother Joe, did, did I see Minus? I guess I said, yeah, I said, you saw, I told me, I said, you saw what you saw, Rob. He just ran out the, he went out the side door because he did not want to be seen in there with her. And he wasn't the only one. On that same day, Nick Telefaro from WRD, he was there. Him and Montessai pretty much ran out together. When Sister Davis started getting on them white Jews and all any white folks about their, their oppression, both of them niggas practically knocked themselves down getting out the door because they didn't want to be in there while Sister Davis was, was, was reading the riot act. I mean, I mean, this stuff is shameless, Elliot. I, Elliot, I cannot recall. And maybe you and Richard could correct me because I don't claim to know everything. I'm just a man. I, I could be wrong. I can't recall. No APEC conference when not in Yahoo be up there talking that racist nonsense that he be talking when he come to the United States whether you're addressing APAC or you're addressing the, that, that Christian coalition by Haggy, that old racist minister that supports Israel. I can't remember a time where any of those white Christians or white Jews ran out the side door because they was embarrassed by what he was saying. Can you, do, do, do you have any answers of them leaving Elliot? No. 
I mean, if you can point out to me, please do. But but these two Negroes had no problem running out the door. They ran out the door, the side door of the mosque, where, when Sister Ava starts speaking out against these white folks, especially these Jews, oppression of our people. They ran out the side door. But like I said, I can't, no, I can't recall no instance where any of these white Christians or white Jews ran out of APEC or, 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 or the American Jewish thing with, 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 with uh, support for Israel with Haggy. I can't remember no white Christians or black Christians running out when, 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 when not young was saying things that was definitely out lies or, or being offensive. They, they stay right there and, and listen. But these Negroes run out. And you see a pattern with these Negroes, man. It's just, it's, a, it's sinless and it's shameful, man. And you wonder why. You wonder why other people, I mean, we got to be honest with our stuff, Ellen Richard. Let's put the cards on the table tonight. You wonder why other races of people don't have no respect for black people. They look at us and say, look at these smileless Negroes. They don't have enough heart. It ain't about Minister Farrakhan. He's just a, a one individual. They just look at the total pattern. How can you expect other races, Latinos, Asians, anybody respect y'all? They respect us when your so-called black leadership or, or influential black people community don't even have enough heart to stand up. When they bow down, they bow down and beg, they, 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 they beg and plead and, and, and have no backbone, no, have no sense of culture or culture, and you wonder why other people don't respect us. I'm not in no shock about other people don't respect us. When you see that kind of behavior that's done over and over again, you see up in New Rochelle, New York, you see it with Nick Telefaro and, and, and Jerry Mondesign, you wonder why these people don't respect us. It's no shock to me, man. I mean, how can you respect the people like that, man? They got, they got no heart, no backbone, no nothing, man. What do you stand for? Like Dr. King said, if you don't stand for something, you fall for anything. A man can't ride your back if you don't be humped over. It's the quote Dr. King. I mean, these niggas are just disgraceful, man. I, ne- I never seen nothing like in my life. And they doing it even now here in 2023. You got these niggas full of they got to make it to this white Jew or white reporter, make some kind of asinine statement. They got to, they get, they full of they got to respond. They got to come with, with well, I'm not support anti Semitism. I mean, you, you ain't got to say a damn thing. You ain't got to say nothing. You ain't got no heart to say, to stand up and come and go to hell. And just keep your damn mouth shut. That's all. You know what I mean? It's not hard to do. I mean, yeah, man, I'm telling you, man, these Negroes are something else, man. I'm telling you. But like I said, not close with this, Ellie. Like you say, we got enough young, intelligent black men and women in this country that can run against these Negroes and get them out of office. But we have got to, to, to cultivate these young sisters and brothers and get them in a place where they could be viable candidates and appeal to our people and get these Negroes out of office because I'm going to continue to say it and I'm going to say it as, as to, until, until Allah takes the breath out of my body. As long as we as black folks, whether it's on the city, the state, or federal level, as long as you keep voting for these Negroes like Hakeem Jeffries, Dwight Evans, Vince, uh, Curtis Jones locally, uh, Vincent Hughes, them on the state level, you're going to continue to get what we get. It's going to be, which is no change, it's going to continue the status quo. Our children will continue to go to piss poor schools where the best is in it, with, with, with textbooks that's outdated from 50 years ago, with, a, with, 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 with not decent bathroom facilities for our children to go to, terrible food to eat, or any, in some cases, no food at all, because you've had cases where black children have had to go to school without getting any kind of lunch served, which you never would go on in a white school in Montgomery County, which we know that for a fact. So as long as we keep on voting for these individuals, Richard, the, the reality is clear. We're going to continue to get what we get. I mean, the people are not like what I'm saying, but it's the truth. Sometimes the truth hurts, man, but until, until we admit that that's what we're dealing with, as long as we keep voting for these individuals, male or female, nothing's going to change for our people, not only in Philadelphia, but nationally. And that's just the bottom line, bro. I can't make it no more clearer than that. You know, clearer than that. It is what it is. Thanks, brother Elliot. 
Put me on mute, and I'll listen to the rest of the show. Thanks for your contribution. You're welcome. Be careful. Let's go to 212. Greetings, brothers. This is Brother Maurice out of New York. Um, How you doing? I'm doing all right. You know, I've... uh, you know, I was sitting there thinking as I was listening to y'all just talking, and I thought about Harold Washington, and it just made me made me get frustrated as I saw that black people got tired of the politics that were going on in Chicago and decided to raise up somebody out of their own community and to back them. And now look at the situation that's going on right now in Chicago, where Lightfoot just got voted out, and there's going to be a runoff between um, two different candidates. And I was, I, I said the thing you say to myself, I'm, I'm trying to follow this because I'm trying to see how the black vote is being split. And then people don't even realize that there's a, there's a significant uh, Hispanic vote in the city of Chicago also. I want to see how that goes down with this um, two candidates. One candidate is black, one is white and stuff. And I definitely am, am interested in finding out how this is going to work. But what the point I'm making is that the, that that eighties victory we talking about with Harold Washington and stuff that was a different type of political mindset and a different type of politician that that exists. I I ask these type of questions when, when you know in terms of mindset is because this new generation is is they're, they're capitalists. This new generation of politicians they're in support of everything that makes a, 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 a buck. Their allegiance is to the green, not the red, black, and green. The green, the greenback, you know, the eye on the back of the dollar. You know, they, that's what they got their eye on. And so uh, why are we surprised when we hear people speak the truth? Uh, but don't be but, but be surprised. Show us something different by you doing something different about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I ask questions of why this particular person is in office and, and um, why some of these black leaders um, uh, are doing the things they're doing. And they said, follow the money. Okay, because again, you have if you want to know a man's allegiance, follow the money. These are people that have been in the political game for the longest for years, and then when you start looking at who's contributing to particular people and those people in office, and then you see why they're doing what they're doing, because the argument has always been with me. Well, we can't expect them to do anything because y'all are not the ones that are funding those politicians. And guess what? The majority of money is being poured into these people. The way the, the the point that you had made before, Brother Elliot, when you talked about how, and I sent you some other information uh, um, about how all of these politicians up here are being cultivated, not just in New York, but in other cities. Mm-hmm. They're being cultivated and they're being trained and they're being, you know, uh, uh, um, I think. I think the better the better word is that they're being co-opted. But see, the thing when you say co-opted means it sounds like it's like a split a split decision. Really, it's not even co-opted. They're fully invested in in somebody else's future, and it's not your future. So, I mean, I I I, I was listening to some of these black uh, people on on um, YouTube just now because um, I was interested in this conversation that's been going on about. Uh, and I'm not going to, you know, get too deep into it, but they, this is this is a uh, YouTube person who is out there. Uh, he has a philanthropy, philanthropy uh, and he goes around the world 
and he just did something in South Africa. We gave out two, two, 20,000 pairs of shoes. So then people had a, and it happened to be a white guy who, who did this. So then people were going back and forth about the argument about why did he have, why did they, the South African government not do anything? Why did they have to have this white man come in and do what he did? And, and then you you hear people blaming the South African government for not doing this and not doing that. And this other brother tried to bring up the point about why um, are you not going to take into account everything that's being done in South Africa before the black people got control of it? And this guy's like, oh, that's just nothing but an excuse. I said, guess what? If even if the even if the black government is not doing everything it's supposed to be doing, they don't control the industries. The majority of those industries are still in the hands of the white South Africans. Mm-hmm. They control the economy. They control the nuclear codes. They control all of that damn stuff. So it's simple for someone to say that black people need to take responsibility for their lives, and we do. We do need to do that. But let's not excuse them. Because that's what's happening nowadays, because white people said, okay, enough. We ain't taking no more blame for what happened to y'all. So, And you got black people bonding to this crap. I believe, yes, we got to hold them accountable and hold ourselves accountable. But this argument about, oh, well, the, the government down there didn't do, didn't do anything about it. Well, guess what? The, the, government has been in, the government's been changing over and over again. They, they, they fund somebody else and get rid of As soon as somebody want to do something, they get rid of them. I mean, and the part of the problem is the information that's out there, brother. They don't even understand it because they don't understand their history. I mean, I'm, you know, every time when I listen to y'all, and it, it makes me um, tears come to my eyes when I think about what happened in the 60s and all of the awakenings that were going on where brothers and sisters were standing up and trying to do the right thing, and they killed every damn one of them. They killed them or they locked them up or whatever. They, or, you know, I'm saying to you, and then that they devastated that group of um, leaders that we had, not only in America, but around the world. And I don't understand how these young people can, can, cannot understand this, this generation of politicians that are in there, because they, they only are going to use you to the point that they can use you and you will be gone. All of these black politicians and authors, you see how the news is framing the conversation around crime. All of these are going to be one-term mayors. All these black mayors are going to be one-term mayors. They're going to be out. You know, they, they're going to be out. And it, and, it, and it frustrates me because I don't know when we're going to get it. We're looking at an economy. You just saw that bank just collapsed out there. And, um, and, and uh, when you're talking about the economy, what they're talking about is, is, is going back and forth. And then we're dealing with a president that that is uh sitting on his hands on things that we find most important. And I, I don't I don't know really what people want to say. I mean I, I can't see where and I do want to address this one thing because you said something about Christianity and I'm a Christian so I don't I don't run from that. I don't deny and there's there's nothing wrong with um there's no group that cannot be criticized. I don't care what it is. And I do remember when there was a movement to come together between the black and, and white churches Black brothers and ministers, at least in, in New York. I don't know what happened because uh, this was a, a, a national thing. The first thing we did, we, we, we addressed the church about their racist ways. And we, we demanded an apology from the stuff that they did. Of course, none of, nobody don't know anything about that because no one, you know, that didn't get out. That was one of the first things that black churches or black leaders in the church, we said, look, this has to be addressed. 
because y'all are, y'all are done wrong, generally do wrong. But see, it, it's not going to really matter in this country much more because I looked at a, a study talking about the number of people that are leaving religion in, in America. Mm-hmm. Most people don't believe in any God. They believe in themselves. Churches are empty. If you go, matter of fact, if you go to a black church right now, you ain't going to find no black men in the church. You're not. It'll be full of black women. You won't. And so I don't, let me tell you something. I don't have no problem with that brother being a Muslim brother coming in and providing structure to black men or black young young men and stuff to straighten themselves up. And and the first thing, I, whenever I hear any of these Jewish people say something about Minister Farrakhan, and again, I, I call him the Honorable Minister Farrakhan, I'm, I'm, and I'm a Christian. I respect him. I respect him. And I asked him the question. I said, can you tell me, besides the rhetoric you heard, can you tell me what he said or what they alleged that he said? And none of them can tell you. None of them can tell you what he said. You know, was, okay, well, is, is he supposed to be a liar? Well, well, look what he said about what was going on in, in Africa. Well, did he lie about that? Look at what he talked about what was going on in Libya. Did he lie about that? Look at all those blacks in, in Libya that's being being slaughtered over there after the Gaddafi left and the, the bombing over there. Look at how they bombed, you know, in Africa, our areas. All of the stuff that Minister Farrakhan talked about. Now people are seeing it, but they don't want to give him credit for stuff that he said that was true, and it really pisses me off. You know, I don't have to. I don't necessarily have to believe what he believes, but I can believe the what comes out of his mouth if I see the truth of it. And people are scared because they they're trying to protect their position. People are looking at what's going on in this world. The economy, this world economy, is tanking, and like I said, they think it's the body. Don't think it's a big deal that that bank failed. That's a big deal. That bank out west that failed, where all the tech people with bets keep yeah, their Sil- money in Silicon Valley. Yeah, yeah. Think mm. about that for a second. I know that's people that got money. <laughs> I know. I, I know. <laughs> I, I say, it ain't I the say... neighbor. It ain't our neighborhood bank that failed. You know Whoa. what I'm saying? Because they don't care about those banks. A bank where people out there got money. Got money. Failed. Yeah, failed. Wow. And so what do you, and this is, it's really just as frustrating me as I'm looking at the conversations going on and people not understanding something. I said, you know, and then I asked people, I said, well, you know, what kind of respect do you have for yourself? Right. Cause that, um, just on the side note, looking at this whole thing with, with um, Lamar Jackson, right. They keep talking about this kid as if he don't have enough brains and stuff where he should be hiring the agent. Well, all of a sudden, you look at the percentage of people that are agents in the in the in in, in this particular field, in sports field, and ninety ninety nine percent of them are what? So he says, "No, I don't want to give my money to them." White and I Jewish. I want to do it with myself. Hmm. I said white and Jewish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he said no. So of course now he's under attack because they want to make sure that nobody gets this idea that we can negotiate a contract without this particular established people that we want to deal with. Like he's supposed to be stupid, like, and he can't figure some stuff out. And he can't get somebody outside of that structure to help him figure stuff out. And then you look at the situation, and people kept bringing up all of this stuff about um, he didn't finish this number of games, that number of games. How many quarterbacks finished the whole season in the NFL? Look up the statistics over the last couple of years. How many played a full season? Very rarely do they all play a full season. 
yet they don't talk about that. And so the, this is a, this is about a fight about something bigger than what just just about money. This is about a fight about who he is and what he thinks his worth is. And I hope he stands on it. I hope he stands. I hope he don't give in. And I want all these these other people to to watch this because again, they talk about the NFL is like a big plantation. You're exactly right about that. Because all these other players are going to see if they can treat an MVP player like that. MVP. They can treat him like that and talk down about him like that and make him seem foolish and he hasn't said a word. Then what else will they do to other people when their contracts are up? People need to look at this stuff. And it's a bigger, it's a microcosm of what is this society is doing in terms of how it deals with people and individuals and people understand it. Are you going to sell out? Or are you going to hold on to your self-worth? And I'm going to leave it right there, my brothers. Brother, thank you for your contribution as always. Bridget. Yeah. Hey, Elliot, before, before we close out, can I go over again based off of what we've been saying? And I wanted to – it's something that I, as I was listening to us and I'm saying like um, – Looking at this hundred-year per- period, right, mm. um, when they, the exoduses were organizing to 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 move, when we talk about politics, right, okay, the difference between it, and then you know that's eighteen seventy-five, and then I was looking at the Gary um, um, convention and 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 that the the piece that they did at the Gary convention um, in nineteen seventy-two. Um, I, I just, I, for, 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 and if the time for waking audience just, you know, I'm, I'm being redundant, but it's certain, it's, it's a certain, when we, where we are, um, you know, that's a hundred year period, Elliot. Now here is saying, um, Pop Singleton, this is April, 1875. These men, Singleton, uh, William A. S- uh, Sizemore and, Benjamin um, Petaway called for a state convention to discuss migration to the West. The convention met in Liberty Hall, and, and which was built in 1872 by and for Nashville First Black Bank. They built that, right? Okay. Freedman's Savings and Trust Company, the convention formed the Tennessee Immigration Society, and sent delegates to Kansas and resolved to quote to the white people of Tennessee and them alone are due to ill born by the colored people of this state. That you know, like they're they're speaking to the the chief uh, chiefest grounds for discontent is inadequate labor prices and delays in paying the same. A repair of this evil would tend greatly towards checking the flow of black immigrants. Now they're telling them why they leaving. Y'all ain't paying us and the way y'all treating us. Out of the state, all, and you know, which already begun. That's that's what they they said then, you know, that they call in this convention, right? This 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 drilling in my head, right? And then what they said, how they organized the convention which I, you know, and I made sure I was right, that um, let every county send a full delegation to the convention on the 19th of May. 
the same day that Malcolm was born, the 19th of May. And if it is the will of the people to immigrate, let us do it in an intelligent manner. They're Mm self-organizing. Let every county hold their county convention. It's not the Democrat. When we talk, you know, um, brother said, you know, follow the money. I say, no. Uh, And, you know, and I don't mean to be arrogant in a statement that's consistent with, no, we don't need to follow the money. Follow the organization. Follow our organization. Because those politicians get in, and as you played the kit, the board said, you know, because they pay for it. That money ain't just floating his hand. That's organized money. They put that together and say, we want this black candidate. Well, we have to follow our, or if we don't have no organization, if we ain't cultivating no black politician, that as in, in, in this here, what they're saying, let every county hold their county convention and send their delegates to the state convention. Let every district and ward hold their primary meetings at their usual places on the 12th of May and send delegates to the county convention to be held on the 15th of May to elect delegates to the state. Let every man who feels an interest in the welfare of his race respond to this call. Not let every man or woman is a delegate of the Democratic Party that the money is organized by somebody else Let who feels an interest in the welfare of his race. Can you be any more specific about that? Can you imagine any black per- politician saying that today? That we're going to organize in my district, whether I'm going to run for it or whether we're, that there's an organization in the district that is going to select somebody. Can you imagine anybody saying that today? That we're selecting delegates to select a candidate that is going to represent us. And that person who feels an interest in the welfare of his race. I can't imagine it to, right now. Well, you, you hear just the opposite. When uh, blacks go in, uh, I, I'm, I'm the mayor or I, I'm the representative of all, of all people. I don't just represent black folks. You hear it. Right. They, they use the opposite end of what you're saying, Richard. And, and, and I want to close with the, the National Convention Agenda of 72. A hundred years later, um, we are the vanguards. The challenge is to throw, this is what it said, the, that, that section. The challenge is to throw to us here, the challenge is thrown to us here in Gary. It is the challenge to consolidate and organize our own black role as the vanguard in the struggle of a new society. To accept that challenge. Now, when they, in 1875, wasn't they going to say, when they create, they said they was leaving Tennessee, were they going to create a new society? They're going to a new place, Kansas. They decided. Mm -hmm. Ain't nothing there already set up for them. They creating that, a new society based off of that, and they're moving to do that. To accept that challenge is to move independent black politics that there can be no equivocation on that issue. History leaves us no other choice. White politics has not and cannot bring the changes we need. We come to Gary and are faced with a challenge. The challenge is to transform ourselves from favoring um, vassals 
and loud-talking militant pawns and to take up the role that the organized masses of our people have attempted to play. They had, in the um, Black Agenda report, it made a point that they had 2,000 delegates, 2,100 delegates at this convention. Um, Here, 100 years before, they're organizing delegates. And they moved 6,000 people, and over a period moved 40,000 people. Right? So was that for the Democratic or the Republican Party? No, that's for black people, as you said, black people doing black politics. Right? We, you know, I mean, th- th- I mean, this is like that, that of harbingers of true ju- women. Um, we come to Gary and are faced with the challenge. The challenge is to transform ourselves from favoriting vassals and loud talking militant pawns and to take up the role that the organized masses of our people have attempted to play ever since we came to these shores that of harbingers of true justice and humanity, leaders in the struggle for liberation. A major part of the challenge we must accept is that we redefine the functions and operations of all levels of American government. They didn't say we were going to leave. This is 72, 1972. And in, in, in 1875, they didn't say they was leaving. They just was leaving where they were, and they were going to create a governing process for themselves somewhere else yeah right so so when people talk about like yeah i mean it just it, it i mean a hundred years later for the existing governing structures from washington to the smallest county are obsolete that is part of the reason why nothing works and why corruption rages throughout throughout the public life for white politics seeks not to serve, but to dominate and manipulate. We will, we will, we will have joined the true movement of history if at Gary we grasp the opportunity to press men forward as the first consideration of politics. The first consideration of politics. They ain't talking about politics. They're talking about black folks talking about the first consideration for black folks in relationship to politics, politics to yes. trans, the for, transform and redefine the functions and operations at all levels of American government. Why? I mean, is that what these guys, you know, I mean, like a hundred years later, right? That is part of the reason why nothing works, why corruption raises throughout the public life for white politics seeks not to serve, but to dominate, manipulate. We will have joined the true movement of history if at Gary we grasp the opportunity to press man forward as the first consideration of politics. Here at Gary, we are faithful to the best hopes of our fathers and our people if we move from nothing less than a politics which places community before individualism. Ain't that what we're talking about now? Yes. Love before sexual exploitation a living environment before profit, peace before war, justice before unjust order, and morality for before expediency. This is the society we need. But we delude ourselves here at Gary if we think that that change can be achieved without organizing the power, 
the determined national black power, which is necessary to insist upon such change, to create such change, to seize change. The, the reason why I feel this is powerful, Elliot, is because this is a consistent theme. And we know, and we had um, the brother that did the book, um, um, The Defeat of Black Power, of Black Power. Mm-hmm. Because this was the same moment when the Congressional Black Caucus in 72, 1972, came into being. And the Congressional, those leaders uh, within the political, who got elected, abandoned this. They abandoned this black agenda. Yeah. And what we see now, when we, the clip that you played of that person who, you know, who said, like, where the money? Y'all ain't got none. You know, 38%. If I get 30, I'm going to get 38% of the white vote regardless. It's the evolution from 72 to now. <laughs> if you call it evolution, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. But, the, 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 but what did they destroy? It's this agenda the people who were pushing this, which was demanding us to, to be the transformational agents under our auspices within the America to not just to, to go in and, you know, um, be the, be the spook. No, what they say to transform ourselves and to transform the structure redefine the functions and operations at all levels of American government. I don't know. I, that just seems power. That seems powerful and that seems power. And that, you know, from a position of power as it relates to black folks and it's on us from 1875 to 1972 to now it's on us who who this resonates with to not deal with following the money, but to build the organizations that actually bring that into being. Other than that, we as what he said, we are deluding ourselves. I just needed to end with that uh, for me, Ellie. Yeah, well, I mean, Richard, that that's the... <laughs> That political organization is needed, whether you're talking about here, whether you're talking about in the, di- the other areas of the diaspora, or if you're talking about on the continent. That political yeah. organization is needed. Because, what did he say, uh, European uh, politics is about domination? and What did he say? Um, um, what did he say? Um, the, it's... About Washington is the smallest of dominant. Oh man, I've seen that the politics, the community of it. It was a domination and control or something like that. Oh, right, right, yeah. And I can't find I can't find that quote. I apologize. Um, and, you, people, and, and you can see that that's what it's all about in these right. communities. Uh, blacks in America, blacks on the continent. It's all about domination and control. Right. Right. I mean, we don't have any resources here. I'm talking about we might have human resources, but as far as on the continent, all of the natural resources, it's about domination and control. I just read that when that guy put everybody on blast 
about what went on in a community center mm-hmm. and made black people that was in that was there answer to them even what are you talking about uh, here you go for white politics seeks not to serve but to dominate and manipulate yes. and what you what you said is what he did was manipulate them because she said, well, I, I was there, but I wasn't there. You know, she a ghost. <laughs> you know, like, you know I, and the thing I, about it, Richard, she knew she knew who was going to be there. Right. And she had, I mean, the people didn't just pop up. If you, if you were going to be a speaker on a rostrum or a presenter in a program, Richard, you're there. And you know all the people that's going to be on the program. Exactly. Come on here. And then you give, oh, I'm not anti-Semitic. You're going to call those children anti-Semitic? It was children that was participating in that program. Why are you going to call them in? I don't support anti-Semitism. Just because the guy gave you a veiled threat talking about, oh, I know you plan to run for mayor. We, You know, listen, we can't keep allowing these people because, you know, we're, our people are criticizing, but they don't, then some of some of our people don't organize or try to do anything about it. That's it. And everybody and, ain't going to be an organizer, but at least yeah. you can help. You can help in some kind of way. If you don't want to physically get out there, then help in some kind of way. Because that's the only way this stuff is going to be defeated. We have to organize. And we have to be clear, what are we organizing for? You know, because... You know what they're telling us to organize that we can get inside and change. No, I mean, change. Are we, change? you know, like we have to be outside. We have to know what we're getting ready to change. Hmm. Right. Richard, before we, <clears throat> before we leave today, just let me give a uh, time for awakening lineup. Uh, Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays. 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. That's African Perspectives with Brother Oshi. Always interesting dialogue and topics on African Perspectives. It's Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Coming sometime in the month of April is the return of the Black Reality Think Tank with Dr. Uh, with uh, Afonso Watkins and uh, Sister Lotus as a new host of the Black Reality Think Tank that was formerly uh, uh, hosted by Dr. William Rogers that made transition uh, on Saturdays, uh, excuse me, on Thursdays. Uh, Mississippi on the Move with Brother Patrick Lumumba, the, the uh, uh, Black uh, Liberation Movement in Mississippi, uh, airing on Thursdays from 7 until 8. I guess well with that daylight saving time, I don't guess that would change that. I I got to get acclimated with that time, Richard. I, every time we do that spring forward and fall back, I get confused. And then on Saturdays, uh, from seven to nine, the elders of Sankofa with Doctor Janine James. And then Sundays, time for awakening is back from seven until also Fridays from eight until. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. And I got to get some rest here. It's daylight savings time and confuse me. <laughs> Lively discussion as always. And we'll be back on Friday, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. Peace. If you're driving through the country on a lazy afternoon, 